1: Good afternoon, listeners. This is the DOGS program. The Australian Council for the Defence of Government Schools are here every Saturday at 12 noon to defend and to promote public education. And we give you a definition of public education every Saturday too, just to remind you that it's public in purpose and outcome. It's public in access. It's available to all children It's non-sectarian. It should be public in ownership and control and it should be the only one that has public funding because it's the only one that can be accountable. And our governments, if they were really democratic governments, would provide a first-rate public education for every child in this country so that both the children and the country will have a choice of a productive and happy future. We have a website at www.adogs.info and we have a new press release today so I'll read you this press release which is about some very interesting developments in the last week or so then we'll have a break and then we have a very interesting Lucy Hannon and the AEU. Uh, Robert will be interviewing her and a very interesting interview it is indeed but here is our press release. Birmingham resorts to blackmail. Public schools face funding cuts if Gonski 2.0 is blocked in the Senate, he says. On Tuesday, the Greens' Education Spokeswoman, Sarah Hansen-Young, suggested that her party would investigate blocking the Gonski 2.0 bill to rely on default rates of funding growth in the current law as a third way through the funding debate. Birmingham responded that blocking the bill would hurt public schools. Asked on his podcast to the Guardian newspaper if all sectors would be worse off or if some sectors, including the Catholic system, could benefit if the bill were blocked, Birmingham said it depends on the decisions the government would then make. Quote... If our legislation doesn't pass, then we'll have to contemplate what it is that we are required to do under the current legislation, he said, adding the government policy would have to perhaps change. Public school supporters reacted. Trevor Cobold of Save Our Schools wrote... In an outrageous move, the Minister for Education, Simon Birmingham, has threatened to cut funding to public schools if Gonski 2.0 is not passed by the Senate. The threat covers public schools in Victoria, Queensland, Western Australia Tasmania and the Northern Territory, while private schools in these states will be guaranteed their funding. This is blatant political blackmail. Birmingham is openly prepared to sacrifice the needs of disadvantaged students in the non-participating states if Gonski 2.0 is not passed by the Senate. In effect, he is prepared to cut funding to the majority of public schools in the country. Public schools in these states enrol over 80% of disadvantaged students. They will bear the cost of any cutbacks in funding by the Commonwealth Government. Birmingham is threatening... The future of these students. So much for Turnbull, Birmingham, talking about needs policies. But the threat does not apply to private schools in the non-participating states because all private schools and systems are considered to be participating authorities. They are guaranteed funding increases under the Education Act. Readers of The Guardian had some very interesting comments. A bloke called Quintal wrote, The shambolic mob that occupies, however precariously, the government benches in Canberra seems to have a limited repertoire when dealing with issues of national importance. One, threaten. Two, enlist the shock jocks. Three, blackmail. Four, run away and hide. Well, Trevor Cobald, crunching his facts and figures, has revealed that Gonski 2.0 is a fraud being visited upon the public sector anyway. He writes, and uh, if we have time, Robert, we'll we'll talk about this a bit further. The Turnbull Government's 2.0 funding plan is a fraud. It's a fraud because, one, it delivers much less funding to public schools and much more for private schools than Gonski 1.0. It's a fraud because public schools will remain underfunded while private schools will be well funded. Three, it's a fraud because there will be massive increase in overfunding of private schools and private schools will get a new grand special deal which is disguised by reducing overfunding in the most blatant cases. It's the best special deal that private schools have ever had. And four, Gonski 2.0 is a fraud also because it abandons any effort to develop a truly national school funding system while claiming to be a national approach. Meanwhile, in the last uh, week, you might notice that although the private sector is going to get a lot more, and that includes the Catholic sector, the Catholic sector has been jumping up and down because it has been revealed that they have been funnelling uh, money for needy children into uh, wealthy private schools. But there's been Senate hearings about school funding... And the Catholic education sector, when they were confronted by questions in a personal Senate hearing, were threatened to change their administration arrangements so that city dioceses, which have most of the wealthy schools, form their own systems and don't have to send any money at all to schools in poor regional areas. The Green Senator Sarah Hanson-Young accused the Labor Senator Jacinta Collins of running a protection racket for the Catholic sector. She withdrew the statement in response to outrage from Jacinta Collins. Uh, That was reported in The Age this week, June 6. As the Haji-Baji continues in Canberra, comments on The Guardian website increased their pungency Do as I say or the kid gets it, Anne Ransley. Although in this case, the kid doesn't get it. Stuart Skater said, Wedge tactics 2.0 all over again. Mickey Cogan said, Birmingham has been learning from the Scott Morrison School of Paternalism, threats and intimidation. Pity for him, he hasn't done his homework on how that plays with voters. Metalhead said, Nailed it. What else have they got though? First Cat Lady said, They're not labelled born to rule for nothing. Captain Grumpy said, Oh dear, you don't have agreements in place. But what have you been doing for four years? Incompetent bullies. wreck said, that's none of your or our concern. These are all on scholastic matters, Captain Grumpy replied, looking forward to the Tingle and Cory article criticising Malsey and Smarmingham for politicising education. So there you are. That was all good fun this week, wasn't it? It's very sad, of course, for the children in public schools. Dogs note that there's a simple answer to this education funding mess, and it is a mess. State aid, which has been going on for the last 50, 60 years, is a terrible failure, and our children are suffering. Proper funding of one first-rate public education system for all Australian children and withdrawal of funds from the private sector is the answer. Just think of the educational, economic and social benefits. Think of the budget bottom line as we rationalise the ridiculous level of duplication and disadvantage. Think of the social harmony and think of our stronger democracy. So that is our press release for this week on our website at www.adogs.info. And we'll have a little break, a little bit of music and then we will talk to Lucy Honan, who is a member of the AUU Council here in Victoria.
2: You're listening to
1: 3CR radio.
0: You have to have a problem That part isn't hard The second step is everybody realizing They're like you They're holding the same card Step three is finding there's a tactic When everyone believes it could be true That if all the people work collectively There just might be something we can do And everything can change So quick Congressmen and businessmen and TV sets Will try hard to make sure it isn't so You don't have a problem And if you do, it's not the same problem And if it is, well, there's just nowhere you can go But it's happened many times The history is rich, though we easily forget How a meme can take hold and grab you How it can spread out like a net And everything can change So quick They'll say we are lost, or we're dreaming, or they'll make a dream for us. They'll try to come up with a good story about why we belong at the back of the bus, about why we belong in this position, about how we don't know what we meant, about how there most certainly isn't any such thing as the 99%, but everything can change. So quick. Everything can change.
3: Welcome back to the DOGS program here on 3CR 855 on the AM Dial and podcast. Now, as promised, of course, we have a guest on the show. Um, It's Lucy Honan um, from the Australian Education Union. Um, Welcome to the program, Lucy.
4: Thanks. Thanks for having me.
3: Oh, look, no, thank you for taking the time and trouble. Um, We're speaking to you because there's a statement that's been put out, uh, signed by a very interesting and broad range of people. And the, entire, and the title of the statement that's been put out is, It's Time to Question Gonski. Fight for public education. No to public funding for private schools. Um, and that comes out from, well, from you, Lucy. Can, can you tell me about where this statement has come from? I mean, it's one that we definitely agree with here at the Dogs.
4: Yeah, okay. Um, Well, I'm an AEU councillor, that means I'm elected to the AEU Victoria Branch Council, Um, and there have been a a couple of us um, rank-and-file members of the AEU who have been concerned for a number of years about um, the direction of the Gonski debate um, and the way that um, the the general political debate about public funding for education has been going. um, And... I guess our concerns have revolved around a few things. one that the Gonski, the original Gonski recommendations always included you know retaining very very high levels of public funding for private schools and this idea of sector blindness seemed to a lot of us um, teacher unionists to be a very concerning acceptance of the idea that you know there should be public funding for essentially school segregation. Um, And that's a position that, you know, anyone who is alarmed at the rate of segregation in Australian public schools would be alarmed about and should be alarmed about that, I think. Mm. Um, I guess, and and our concern developed over the next couple of years as we just kind of, our union seemed to kind of settle in to, you know, backing Gunsky completely uncritically. Um, but our, we we decided to, and I decided to draft this statement and send it around for feedback and comment and discussion um, at the last council meeting. When you know we raised the concern that the Liberal Party has now positioned itself as though it is, you know, at the forefront of undermining that public funding for private schools with Gonski 2.0, mm. and the Labor Party kind of digging in and saying no, the Catholic schools deserve the money, and you know that sort of positioning. Um, and the confusion around what 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 is the idea of Gonski? What are, what is the points and principles behind the the whole thing? Where is public education sit in all of this? And that voice of public funding for public schools and fully funded public schools just seem to be totally lost. So that's why we decided let's get back to the real principles that are at stake here and talk about public funding for public schools. No to private funding to, for public for. No, to public funding for
3: private schools. Well, yeah, I mean, public funding for private schools is sort of a bit oxymoronic. I mean, we've always thought that here at the Dogs. Now, your, your statement um, is actually very specific. There's four points, but I want to focus on your second point. Um, and this is from a, well, from, from people from the AEU, um, but it's also been signed by people from various other um, educational institutions and other educational experts. But your second point is to demand public funds are used to fully fund public schools and to end... Public subsidies for private schools. Um, now, back in the day of Gonski, of course, uh, I don't want to feel sorry for Gonski. I've, I've had a chat to him about it personally, actually, but he was prevented. Um, he was prevented from ever considering a model that would take money away from private schools when he was given his brief by Julia Gillard. Um, uh, at the time. So your basic concerns, and I think they're very real ones, and I, I think now we're living with the consequences of, of what happened because we're now in 2017 and Gonsky's, you know, in various forms has been around or the whole process has been around for some time. Um, the AEU at that time um, did, um, I, I, as I recall, raise some concerns about the framework for the original Gonski, but, but nothing mm. popped up. At the time, and it's just, I think it's absolutely fascinating to be talking to you, Lucy, now, a council member of the AAU in 2017, saying, hang on, the original question wasn't addressed. We need to address it now. What, what is it about the timing of, of what's going on now that, that means that you feel as though you have to do something about this question? Mm,
5: um, the
4: timing, I guess the school funding debate that's erupted over the last month, um, you know, where Turnbull has said... You know, and Birmingham, has said that we're going to um, turn off. Well, they, they they suggest that they're turning off the tap to private schools, um, and that they, um, you know, and David Gonski came out in support of their 2.0 version, which is less money, um, and they're kind of suggesting that that less money is going is going to be cutting off the funding to the, the super rich private schools. Mm. Um, so the, this idea that, you know, the Liberals are leading the show is <laughs> on on something that's a core principle for so many, I think is, is a debilitating element of, um, you know, of the Gonski campaign, because, you know, for years we've been saying that, you know, in our green chips and shirts, I give a Gonski and, you know, the full Gonski, and now here's Gonski himself saying, I've got this new version, it's less money... Um, it's it's a different version of the same thing, um, but it's fairer and it's going to work and it's kind of what I always wanted to do anyway. But then when you look closer at it and you look closer at what the 2.0 is, it's still got 80% of private schools' basic funding being paid by the federal government yeah. and 20% of public schools' basic funding being paid by the federal government. Yep. The the incredible distortion there, at just any time I mention that to anybody, they're kind of, it's like a slap in the face, like they had been led down this garden path to think that things were getting fairer, and no, (laughs) can you think of a more incredible distortion in favour of the rich and elite at that basic level? So, you
5: know, this is is something that we
4: raised at council, Hmm. and, and, you know, even our fellow councillors were kind of saying, What? What, what are you talking about? That can't be the case. And then you look at the press releases and, and some more of the media coming out and that's exactly what's going on.
3: Hmm. Well, actually, I, I, in terms of the current debate and your statement, there's, there's a couple of points I'd, I'd like to address. Um, here at the Dogs, obviously, we're and our listeners are very well aware of the figures you're talking about and, and, and the sort of horrific nature of them. But when it comes to total funding, when you combine state and federal um, funding, in 2017... Um, A fair fair bit of work has been done by by ourselves and by uh, Bonner and by Cabald as well that shows that if you combine both state and federal government funding, private schools basically get a dollar for every dollar that's given to a child in a state school. So for every dollar that's given to a child that needs it in Australia, a child in a state school, a dollar has to be given under the current funding model to a child that doesn't need it. This is irrespective mm. of whether they need it or not in, in that, you know, no child left behind, no no, no child loses, no school loses, no system loses. Mm. Um, one of the fundamental questions that relates to this, you know, giving money to children who don't need it is that private schools are in fact exempt from the anti-discrimination laws of this country, mainly because most mm. of them have some form of religious basis to them. I don't really care what it is, but they do. Um, And so, therefore, they can hire and fire and sack and expel and suspend to their heart's content. Um, State schools, of course, have a much, much, I think, much more valuable uh, values, a set of values, which is to say that, no, no, it's our responsibility to educate all the children. Um, And so this fundamental disparity, this fundamental difference between types of schools, those which are exclusive by definition and exempt from the laws, And those schools which are not exclusive and are not exempt from the laws of the country uh, um, are always talked about in terms of dollars as being equal, but they're not. Mm. Do do you... I mean, obviously, I think you might have an opinion about this. I'd like to hear what that is and also what the AEU's position is on this fundamental difference between school systems and school types.
4: Mm. I think generally the AEU... Most AEU members, you know, because we are public school teachers... Um, and unionists, I can, I think most of us can see that there's an inherent problem in that. And I think most AU members, when they, you know, hold up their green Gonsky sign or, you know, they get, they sign on a, a Gonsky statement, I think there's some general sense that they are supporting a campaign that's trying to undermine that because those are long held, you know, public school principles, public school union principles. Um, and, I, you know, like a, I, I'm one of them. I'm, I'm just horrified by it. And I think the idea that there can be that level of segregation um, and elitism built into the system and publicly funded, you know, any, anybody who's taught in a public school, anybody, even teachers, you know, there are teachers who are on the sign-on statement who, who, are, who are teachers at private schools. You know, it's impossible not to see the obvious.
3: Um, i yeah! failing in that Oh, and I I can assure you there's some deeply religious people on your list as well. It it sort of cuts across. It's a principle that goes beyond all of those things. That's Um, right. So speaking about all these people that you've got involved in this process, people who have currently signed on, can you tell me about perhaps a few of these people and what was it that sort of brought many of them to this situation of saying, I want to sign this statement?
4: Okay, so a lot of the people... um, who first signed onto it? Uh, AU councilors—they're people who, you know, like me, uh, have been involved in some of the evolution of discussion at the AU council meetings. Mm.
3: Um,
4: and they're, you know, they're, they're high school teachers, primary school teachers, integration aides who, you know, ca- can feel very, very—the um, the issue is close to the bone um, for all of us. And I think one of the things that's come out in debates and re- reasons that people wanted to sign it from that perspective is that there is this sense of our conditions seem to be lost in the debate as well. Like, where where is the discussion about turning around time for teachers? Where is the discussion about class sizes and all this school funding business? Mm. And there's a sinking feeling amongst many of us that, you know, this Gonski funding is not even, if it comes through, you know, and, and in whatever form the final five or six years comes through, what will it be tied to? And there's a terrified feeling amongst many of us that it will be tied to testing, more coaching regimes that are punitive rather than assisting and, you know, that sort of thing. So Mm. that's that's some of us, um, you know, union delegates and um, rank and file union members. There are some education academics on there, for example, um, Jane Kenway and Jessica Gerard, who have signed on um, and your very own um, Jean from Dogs has signed on as well. So I think there's a lot of people who can see, what, you know, the kinds of thing that, things that you've described and they're the kind of people who have been looking at this issue in the face and looking beyond the headlines to see the reality of it. Mm. Um, but as well as that, um, just people, you know, rank and file union members and teachers and... Um, uh, People, unionists in general, even beyond the teaching service, who, who want more, who want some reality to this debate, who want to change the, um, change the kind of gloss and go back to, back to core principles about funding education, public education.
3: Yeah, look, um, I, just, just a couple of points on, on what you've said, and, and thanks very much for sharing this in, in such great detail. I mean, I've highlighted one of the things that you've mentioned, which is public funds for public schools only. But there are other yeah. things, and I think you've hinted at it there, that um, you, you, you're demanding that public funds to schools to provide class sizes of appropriate numbers, 15 to 20, and by the way, that's a really good number if you ask me, and I'm an expert, and increasing yeah. teacher prep time <laughs> so that they can prepare appropriately, um, and also to reinstate the actual amount of money um, because this whole thing actually involves a very substantial cut, um, Gonski 2.0, in the, in, the, in the amount of billions yeah. of dollars, and also indeed to... Um, Acts, the inverted commas, review to achieve educational excellence in Australian schools. Um, That's Mm. just a collection of words, isn't it? (laughs) Um, (laughs) It doesn't really mean much at all. Um, Now, all of these things, obviously, are are, are dear in, in, in sort of perhaps various measures to all the people that have signed on. But I would put it to you that this statement that you've put out, and specifically back to the demanding public funds for public schools only, many... Academics in particular, and also other people involved in the education debate, would have run a mile 10 years ago um, from this statement. Um, mm. in, in, in our experience, and we've been fighting this battle for a long time, um, academics are cowards. <laughs> <laughs> um, and structurally, they sort of have to be, because they, they, they want to know where the next, next grant's coming from. Um, mm. But, I mean, look, having sort of dealt with that sort of world, I have some sympathy but not a lot, but academics of various sorts have sort of stepped back from this demand of public funds for public schools only. But that's shifting at the moment. This statement you've come out with is not in isolation. You're not the only people that are scratching your heads going, hang on, where have we got to? Um, Do you think, I mean, just in terms of talking to people about this situation, that this whole question of, hang on, it's all a bit silly. We need to do something. Is is more imperative now than perhaps it was five years ago, ten years ago? I'm not sure if you were involved in the debate back then.
4: Mm. Um, I, I don't. Let me think about it. For when I I became a teacher in 2009, 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just a couple of years before the Gonski review came out, and. When it you know like when when it came out, we were all asked, I was a budding union delegate at um my high school, and we were invited to um contribute to some you know um papers and put in submissions to the to the review and that sort of thing and at that time i I didn't feel like there was any any um pessimism or carefulness or anything like that and before the Gonski review came out, I felt like it was open slather you could you, you had to say you know this was our chance to say that we need the funds and we need them for these reasons, and it's unfair because of x, y, and z you know that that was my sense of it at the time, and perhaps that was because I was particularly <laughs> enthusiastic and mm. hopeful but um, it, as soon as the Gonski review came out, though, I feel like that the room for this this demand uh, closed very, very quickly. Yep. Um, and as our union, I can't say about academics, I'm not generally in that world, wow. but I, I, I felt that our union um, had an opportunity to hold open that space um, and, and to, say, to be very critical and to say, yes, we need the Gonski money. Yes, we need you know a massive injection of funding, but that funding needs to be on our terms. It should not be tied to NAPLAN outcomes mm. and mm. it should not be going to private schools. And yes. I think that that would be an eminently defensible, if not winnable, then at least a principled stand to take and fight for. Um, and I think you know that that opportunity was there, and I was sad to see it go. Very kind of shocked to see it go, but it did go. Though, so there
3: didn't was this it?
4: kind of, sorry, it,
3: it did go. I do agree with you. If you're talking, if you listed the advocates for state schools. Um, over the yeah. last 20 years, like the people who stand for state schools, who who promote state schools, who, who defend state schools. I mean, there's mm-hmm. us, of course. But um, there have been times when I would not have put the AEU on that list, um, which is sad from our point of view because <laughs> we were a bit surprised. Yeah, I'm, obviously, I'm, that's I'm, not universally the case. But um, mm. in, in terms of standing There was up an saying,
4: election campaign where we were given professional development at one of the AEU... Uh, like a pre-meeting, this is how you do election campaigning sort of thing. And we were, you know, um, shown a role play and invited to participate in role plays about um, door knocking and, you know, in in some marginal seat. And we were encouraged not to say, not to talk about public education. We were encouraged to say, this is for all schools. Mm. Um, And it was a big no-no. And the kind of the the company that had been hired to do the... um, the communications and work out the right messaging etc had had told us you know like don't don't mention public schools it's going to hurt the campaign and it's going to hurt our chances of course that's what we want secretly we want the funding for public schools. but you know when we're out campaigning we don't mention it um and i think that gets you into a real pickle if you're not honest about what you actually want Um, and I think part of the problem of this situation where the Liberals are looking like they're the ones who are defending public schools is because we have gone down that path but I I don't think it's the end of it this is why we put out the statement because oh it's 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 a
3: deeply courageous statement sorry I I just find it amazing and extraordinary and when Jean brought it to my attention I went oh this is extraordinary I I don't know who Lucy is but, (laughs) but but she is an extraordinary woman to do this um, or I, I don't know if it was just you, I'm sure you had help and people around you, obviously the signatures are part of that. But it, it is, in, in the context, just an extraordinary thing to have done, um, uh, to come out of the AEU in, in whatever form. Um,
1: Lucy, there's a long history of this in, in the AEU. Um, the New South Wales Teachers Federation is, was always stronger than the other, other, other groups, but um, down here in Victoria, there was always, in the earlier days, particularly with the VSTA, uh, private school interests in the, um, in the AE, uh, What became the AEU? it was the VSTA in those days. Um, and um, they wouldn't have anything to do with the dogs, for example. But that was a long time ago. Unfortunately... Um, some people have a price. I can remember one parent at the school where I was the school president of uh, the council saying to me, um, everybody has their price, Jean, it's just that yours is higher. Well, I don't know. Um, <laughs> in ed- in education, in, in politics, in the relationship between the um, educa- the unions and the Labor Party, uh, and even perhaps the Greens um, and certainly the Liberal Party, um, you have conflicting, conflicting interests uh, in, in leadership positions. Uh, yeah. But to be fair, the, the, union, the Australian Education Union held out on the state aid issue for a long, long time uh, back in the 1970s and 80s and 90s. So it's a long, there is actually a mm. history here which you're mm. now tapping into, I suppose. Yeah. So, um, mm.
3: your, your sort of surprising, um, I would say courage, um, has a long tradition. <laughs> you're, you're, you're part of something that goes back a long way. Um, I'd like to actually delve into something that's a bit complex um, and perhaps you can't talk about it directly, but in the current debate about Gonski 2.0, um, the, as you mentioned, the Liberal Party seems to be taking the lead and Fuffing on about how, how, how nice they are to state schools whereas in fact um, that's that that's a very debatable point but indeed strangely enough the, the federal labor party in particular and perhaps state labor the labor party has absented themselves from from this whole debate um, it's mm. it, it's a really strange position from from the dog's perspective that the labor party's taken now i know the australian education union and the labor party have have connections I, I, they're not sitting on the same thing um, what's going on <laughs> um, in, in terms of the politics um, of of education funding? I mean, here at the Dogs, we don't think there should be any politics to do something so important. It should be s- set out separate to politics, but the Labor Party's taken some very strange positions, certainly supporting the Catholic school sector for some strange reason.
4: Mm, yeah. I mean, I, I, there are lots of theories floating around, you know, about that, like mm. the Mark Latham effect, you know, this... The, the idea that the Labour Party learnt its lesson from you know what the Catholic lobby did to Mark Latham and it will never go against Catholic schools again and that sort of thing. Mm. I feel like, to be honest with you, that there's there's a responsibility on our side, you know, the, on the on the public education defenders' side, on, yeah. on public school teachers' sides that. You know, we are and should be the powerful lobby. You know, we have the moral high ground. We have the bigger numbers. We have extraordinary experience, and we've got union structures that, you know, they they may be a little bit dormant, but as you alluded to, Jean, they're incredibly strong and, and have a profound history. Sixty-six percent still. I think. I think mm. the responsibility is on our side to. Um, you know, to force the Labor Party to to be scared of us. You know what I mean? To be yeah. to be yeah. to be anxious about getting our side off. And I think that's kind of I don't know not to not to be a bit mere Culpa about it, but I do I do think that that's uh, a, there's a dynamism about the whole debate, um, and the squeaky wheel gets the Billions of dollars, uh, I, I <laughs> and we look, need to be ha, a much squeakier
1: wheel. <laughs> well, have a look at the um, have a look at uh, the Greens and Hanson Young in the Senate. Uh, she she told yeah. um, the Labor Senator Jacinta Collins that she was uh, running a protection racket for the Catholic sector. She withdrew this, but um, she had a go. And, Leah, and of course, Rhiannon up in New South Wales. Um, New South Wales has always been been a bit stronger perhaps. So the the centre or uh, the powerful place in in Australian politics, and Archbishop Mannix worked it out in nineteen eleven, is the middle ground. And it was the DLP and their votes which led to state aid being given in the first place. But the DLP's gone. What are they really frightened of? What are they really really frightened of? Um, Xenophon could well. I, yeah, I don't. Yeah.
4: I I think part of it is just um, an ideological attachment to it. I mean, I don't think one of the funny things when I finally got around to actually reading the initial Gonski review was
0: to um,
4: realise how anxious the ruling class is about the state of public education and, and the Australian education system. Oh yes, system. oh yes. You know, the first couple of chapters are this kind of anxious fret about the fact that the inequality is so high and it's having a terrible impact, not just on working class kids, but now it's kind of, it's having this drag effect on everybody potentially. Yeah. Um, and I think there is some element to which they they are genuinely concerned, you know, like Labor, Liberal and the Greens, they, and, you know, Gonski, representative of the business class they're they're very anxious about the fact that this is happening in schools but they are so committed to the idea that it's you know the idea of choice the idea of private um, participation in your own uh, in your own education the idea that government you know government sector should be uh, not the first choice not not the world-class system but a you know a safety net Those kind of neoliberal ideas seem to be underpinning a lot of this quite backwards and weird situation that we're
3: in. Those ideas, I think you'll find, Lucy, are now no longer fit for purpose. Um, We've been... I mean, just perhaps to give you a hint, we've been involved in this debate for some time and we've been called all sorts of terrible things under the... We've been called racist, we've been called sectarian, we've been called all sorts... Um, We haven't been called any of those things for a few years um, because none of it actually makes sense Mm. anymore... Uh, (laughs) Um, you know mm. if we, If we say the Catholic <laughs> school system shouldn 't get any money, people say oh well you 're just being anti catholic that that doesn 't work anymore because the numbers are so large mm. and and in that particular instance, um, the Catholic education system gets its money in an unaccountable fashion um, they mm. they just get the money and then do what they like with it they can send, they can build lost mm. leading schools in outer urban suburbs um, with with government money, which is what they do um, so those sorts of sort of Points of debate are now gone, and I think you're right. Where All that's left is this concept of choice um, in a, in a le- neoliberal okay. sense. And I don't think that's a strong enough argument... <laughs> When, when, when lined up against everything that you 've mentioned in terms of inequity and separation and segregation, some people might even say apartheid based upon um, religion and income that we have mm. here in australia with with the education system so to give you heart all, all the old arguments um, in terms of public private mm-hmm. debate have sort of fallen away because the numbers are just so i hope you
4: i hope you 're right but i, I my, my concern i mean i think that 's probably people's deepest sense in terms of the funding debate I feel like the bigger battle though is all of the um you know and you said before that the review to achieve educational excellence in Australian schools is a collection of words and on one level I think that's true it sounds like gobbledygook but I, I I feel like some of the um some of the way that this gets thrown up and confused again is the idea that you just can't. It's not even about funding. It's not even about throwing money at schools because you know we've been throwing money at schools for years. The education budget has been going up, and look, they're still mucking it up, sort of thing. Mm. And the teacher bashing that kind of is insidious in all of this debate. I think it's really it's an important part of it. And although it's not obvious at the moment, I think it's I think there's a through line there um, because the you know, the next step for Gonski is to tell us what is going to happen with mm. that money and the idea that, you know, there, there should be some particular form of, you know, I don't, I don't know, I'm, I shudder to think what he's going to come up with in terms of, you know, what teachers should be doing next. And the, you know, the more um, classic, I guess, arguments about how to improve education, which are really about funding teachers um, and funding class well. You know, lowering class sizes, which is also about funding teachers, that is lost. And so, when you're talking about education funding and these billions of dollars, people's sense of what that money goes to and what it would be for, I, I think there's a there's a, a slipping in of the scepticism about the need for it or the, um, you know, the usefulness of that funding, or you know, that it might just be throwing money in the bin. Sort of thing, mm. um, and I, I think the other part of it is, that, and that fits really well with the school choice ideology, is the whole My School website, which has been, you know, I, I think some really excellent academics have been extracting information about that to support the idea that government schools should be funded properly. But the way that it's been, parents are encouraged to use it to choose schools and to choose um, not their local school, but to choose a school that would be best for their kids. I think the impact on that on public schools is really detrimental as well. And it's, uh, I'm concerned that that, you know, in amongst this funding debate, that is going to be strengthened and bolstered no matter what, what we come out with.
3: Oh, look, um, you're an immensely clever and thoughtful person, Lucy. Sorry, I, I think everything you said is 100% accurate. Uh, my school is a double-edged sword, I would have to say. We use it a great deal in terms of understanding the financial position of individual schools. Um, which has, through my school, become much more transparent than it ever was. So from our point of view, when people say, oh, the poor, the poor Catholic schools aren't getting enough money, we need to get some... You know, that, that, that is now patently not spoken in the same way because it's obviously and demonstrably not true. But um, in everything you suggest about the whole assessment process <laughs> and how assessments are used to drive drive innovation is just... Well, it's insidious. It's, it's managerialism in education, which is... People don't even talk about that anymore. It's just assumed, isn't it? Mm. If, if a thing's worth doing, it's worth assessing well. How well it's actually done <laughs> is, is is less relevant. <laughs> um, mm. I'm, I'm slightly mm. old enough to remember a time when teaching was... <laughs> teaching was not like that. If a thing was worth doing, it was worth doing well. And the assessments um, were one way, one way of, of getting outcomes. It was, they certainly weren't the only way of doing things in the education sphere. And of course, there's a, there's a great deal of work being done in Southeast Asia just at the moment, certainly in Hong Kong and Singapore, to get away from assessment-based learning <laughs> and into creating creative um, primary schools and secondary colleges so that um, when, when people do get to university, they um, have the capacity to generate new research rather than just regurgitate old stuff. I mean, this mm. isn't, good education is not just happening in Finland anymore. It's happening in Southeast Asia. <laughs> and Australia seems to be well behind the eight ball when it comes to managerialism and education.
4: Yeah, um, and I think it's getting, it's getting a lot worse. But the the demoralising impact that that has on teachers and students is quite terrifying.
0: Yeah.
4: Um, and the way that public schools are starting to mimic private schools, you know, in oh. attempts to expel kids, in, in attempts to design their
3: own cohorts. That oh, and kids, the kids you know, in Victoria in particular, kids not turning up on Napland days because they've been That's encouraged right. not to, yeah. and all, all sorts of horrific things, which, you know, the kids yeah. aren't stupid. They know what's going on. They know they're being labelled, yeah. which is just a horrific situation to put them in, isn't it? <laughs> Sorry, I mean, that, that's, that's the teacher in me coming out.
1: It's called payment by results, and it has happened before. It happened in the last 10, 20 years of the 19th century, 1880 to 1900, and it's always been regarded as a very low point in Australian educational history. But people have forgotten. People have forgotten that payment by results is a, is a quite shocking thing and has a terrible effect on teachers and students alike.
3: Yeah. Yeah, um, I'd just like actually perhaps to share an anecdote with listeners and yourself, Lucy. Um, I I mentioned before I had a chat with uh, Mr Gonski. I had a chat with him in the in-between wilderness years. This is between between one and two, (laughs) between (laughs) Gonski one and Gonski two, when he was no longer responsible for that. He was actually launching a book about himself and his father and his family because he has other interests. Um, and he was giving a talk, and of course all everyone wanted to know about was his work in the education sphere, and he was quite frustrated about this because he thought he was more interesting than just that. But he did mention um, about Gonski Point One, he said that his job, his job in relation to this whole thing was that he was a courtier, he was a courtier to power, and he compared his job to an advisor, um, to King Louis, (laughs) uh, just before the French Revolution. (laughs) And Gonski said, I'm here to warn power about what's happening. If you don't do something about what's going on in the education system in Australia, he said, then you're going to have what happened to King Louis. The rich and the powerful are going to be in a position, he said, " Um, where there'll be a revolution, where bad things will happen. So you do need, for, for the sake of maintaining the order of things, you do need to give money to these, these children, otherwise you're going to have serious problems. And it's interesting to hear what you said about his original report because <laughs> it tees up with that. His idea about what he was doing, what his role was, what he saw out there in the world, and he did, along with Ken Boston, who was also on the panel. They saw what was going on and they tried to tell some sense of truth to power. Of course, they were prevented from doing this, because Gillard gave them their initial brief, saying you can't touch the private school system uh, before you start. You, you can't talk about that. But even yeah. even through that restriction on his brief, he, he did attempt to tell truth to power and was ignored. Um, and now he's come back. I've got no idea. I haven't, haven't spoken to him for a couple of years. But I think what he said to me, um, it tees up with what your interpretation was of his initial review. Um, it's mm. a strange situation think, to talk yeah. about Australian education. In, <laughs> it's a very strange metaphor to me.
4: Mm. Mm. Well, and uh, revealing as well in the sense that I think he was very much trying to preserve a system. Yes, that's the other thing. I mean, even even without Gillard's instruction that no school lose a dollar, when you look at you know what the what the actual funding model is based on the, you know, they outsourced a lot of the, the finer details of KPMG to sort out. And, yes. you know, they explicitly said, look, let's get away from this, uh, you know, funding what they actually need, <laughs> needs-based funding. Let's let's move to outcomes and let's move to the no-child-left-behind version of things. Hmm. And it wasn't so severe as to actually tie it to um, funding outcomes. So you only get the dollars if you get the NAPLAN scores, but it was step. Before that, with the very open intention that you could end up with something a little bit more like that. So you'd fund schools only the barest minimum of what they need to get 80% of their kids passing that plan. never mm. mind about all the rest of, you know, all the things that we actually need. And I think that's a very preservationist attempt to deal with an extremely unequal system.
3: Oh uh, yes, yes, yes! A, a deeply insightful analysis. Um, where's it going to go from here, Lucy? Um, you've 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 got these people involved, um, these people who've signed your si- signed this statement. I, I, is it mm. your statement? Is it an AEU statement? I'm trying to work out how no, it fits. It's
4: it's it's not it's not an AEU statement. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought I'd the, clarify <laughs> that. We'd love the AEU to um, to support it. Yeah, I think we have a while to go before that actually happens. though, and so we're going to raise it at our. Um, you know, regional meetings and at the at the council, um, we want the issue debated a bit more um, openly in the AEU journals. We'd love to have it more openly discussed. And it's fantastic that you invited me to discuss with you because we just we just want this debate had out and yeah. um, an opportunity to to really say let's let's change the direction and fight for what we really want. Um, so I think yes, debating it following up with, with the media, following up with other union members to force the issue in a real grassroots way. Oh,
1: well. The no-state-aid position has never gone away. There's always been a certain position, uh, a certain percentage of people in Australia who have taken the no-state-aid position. Um, and the mm. dogs, uh, over the years, we, we've had support from people from all walks of life, all ideological types, um, and uh, you will find it again. You are the next generation. It's too important an issue. It really is so important. It's the next generation, and teachers are on the front line. So yeah. all your instincts are just so right, Lucy. Mm.
4: Oh, thanks. It's been you remind so great me very much you, of buddy. where I was
1: at in 1969.
4: Yeah. Yep. Really? Oh, yes. Yes. Well, thank you. When you look at the
1: when you look at the children, um, and they're not getting a fair deal, uh, and they give so much back to you, uh, you you make a decision. Yes. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Yep. Oh, well, we yeah. We hope
3: to have you on again sometime to see where this is all going, um, both inside and outside the AEU, because it's obviously a very important question. But thank you very much for giving us your time, and I have to say your very deep insights into this whole question, Lucy.
4: Thank you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure to discuss with you. Yeah, anytime. No,
1: anytime, anytime it always. Bye for exactly. now. Bye. Lay me down on the
2: sacred
5: ground. Keep me from the cold. In the deep, former, where the stars can see my soul. Take me where them trees stand tall, by the waters in the river bend. Let me face the rising sun, commend my spirit to the wind. Make no monuments, mortal crowns, or spears. me where the forest blooms, in the land that seen no flower, where the fragrance on the western wind, carried from every springtime flower, oh, give me peace and give me rest, lay me down Scrub roll back across that mound. Make no monuments of mortal ground. Don't speak my name again when you lay me down. Bury me quick and bury me deep. Without no coffin, no shrouded sheet, yeah.
3: That was Kev Carmody and Eulogy. Uh, you've been listening to the Dogs Program here on 3C855 on the AM dial. I have to say, before our wonderful interview, um, that was Dave uh, Rovick with Everything Can Change. An interesting little track there. I hope it inspires people to get out there and do some more, uh, like Lucy was doing um, as part of the AEU. You've been listening to the Dogs Program. We are the Defenders of Government Schools, DOGS, Defenders of Government Schools. Gee, myself and Lucy today. Um, We'll be back next week, because we have to, because the fight continues. <laughs> we have to keep fighting, because we haven't won yet. But things are changing, as was hinted, um, both by what Gene was saying for our press release and indeed what's going on inside the corridors of power at the AUU. Fascinating. Fascinating that, that, that it's not just the dogs that are fighting this fight anymore. It's extended out. The silliness of what's going on, Gene. the silliness of what's going on has now become apparent.
1: It never was the dogs. Um, the dogs are only the froth on top of uh, on representing, in fact, a large number of people who do believe that there should be no funding given to private schools and who believe that there should be separation of church and state. Uh, was, uh, we've, been, we've been around for a long time and even after we've gone, the idea will live on because these ideas are too important. But that's it for now. Yeah, definitely,
3: Jane. Um, It's been great to have your company. And um, if you're interested in what we've been talking about, of course, and you're interested particularly in what Jane was saying, um, you can go to us at our website at www.adogs.info. That's www.adogs, all one word, .info. Or indeed, check us out at 3CR website and the podcast if you want to hear the interview again. But until next week, it's bye for now.
2: Dreamed I saw Joe here last night alive as you and me, says I, but Joe here ten years dead, I never died, says he. Salt Lake City. Joe says, I am standing by my bed. They framed you on a murder charge, says Joe, but I'm dead, says Joe. Says, killed you joe they shot you joe says i takes more than guns to kill a man says joe i didn't die says joe i didn't die and standing there as big as life and smiling with his eyes, says Joe, what they can never kill went on to organize, went on to organize from San Diego up to Maine in every mine and mill where workers strike and organize it's there you'll find Joe Hill it's there you'll find Joe Hill I dreamed I saw Joe Hill last night alive as you and me says I but Joe You're ten years dead, I never died, says he.